Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome back to the Speaking of Church podcast. We're here for the first time. Welcome for the first time. Today we are here with somebody who is not here for the first time. Cynthia Vaca Davis. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me back, Josie. I'm excited. Um, even more so now that Pup has shown up in your background there. Look at him. <laughs> oh my god. The husky. <laughs> I love it. I don't have big dogs, so I just admire them from afar. Because <laughs> my partner does not want me to have a big dog because I have three little dogs and he says four is too much. <laughs> four is a lot of dogs. Most I've ever had at one time is three and yeah. they were big and that was a lot. So oh, it's my dream. I want a million. But anyways, um, we're here to talk about um, this documentary called Everybody. Um, yes. Everybody, everybody, not everybody, every space body body um, yeah two words yeah which is all about intersex humans and what they go through yeah so yeah, yeah i mean you wrote a book um about your journey with your friend who's intersex which yep. makes you uniquely informed well not uniquely but more informed than the average human i would say well i still run into people all the time who um tell me that they have never heard of intersex before. Which and is wild to me. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I teach, I teach freshmen and um, we talk about a lot of social issues and just a week or so ago, just in, um, in conjunction with one of the readings that we were doing, um, they were, um, the subject of intersex came up and I told them what I knew about it. And they said, oh, so that's the I in LGBTQI. We didn't know that. And um, I would say out of the 30 freshmen that I was speaking with, maybe two or three had even heard of intersex. And they're the younger demographic yeah. that's usually on top of things like that. Yeah. more, you know, quicker than the rest of us. But um, yeah, it's just not something that people still know a lot about. So um, it it does so happen that I happen to have a number of intersex people in my life and um, lots of them after the book. But um, the book basically being about um, a very um, dear friend of mine who is intersex and um, basically um, asked me to write a story, gave me his story to tell 
which is always such a hard challenge. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not intersex myself. I am a staunch ally, but um, it really very quickly became both of our stories because I um, ended up getting fired from, <laughs> ah! <laughs> from a, a, a Christian university for being outspoken about um, queer rights in general. And, um, and, and yeah, it, so I think that if you are that through that experience, I learned that to be an effective ally, you have to have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, truly. Um yeah, I mean, I am part of the LGBTQIA plus community, but I'm married to a man and it's like, I'm just very, I have a very heteronormative lifestyle. So I also feel the need to still be an ally, even if I am in the community. Right. And I, yeah, intersex has always just been in my mind frame. Like I've always known about it, probably because I read a lot of books as a kid. Um, I remember specifically reading a memoir by this woman who, I mean, the title was something problematic because she used the term hermaphrodite, which is no longer the term to be used, everybody. That's not a thing. It's derogatory. Let's not use it. But I mean, she could use whatever she wants, I guess. It's her life. Um, But I did read that like growing up. And ever since then, I just kind of knew it was a thing medically and socially. Um, But people don't know anything about it. So Tell us a little bit about the documentary. Yes, so the documentary, and to be clear, I didn't have anything to do with making right. or being in the documentary. It was it was um, a documentary that came out this summer and unfortunately did not get the, um, I don't think it got necessarily the attention that it deserved I in agree. theaters. Um, it... When I went to see it, I went with my friend Danny, who is um, the the friend that I was referencing earlier. Um, Danny and his wife and my husband and I went, and we were um, we weren't the only ones in the theater, but I think there were like maybe two other people in the oh, whole theater. Yikes. And it didn't um, it didn't stay long in the theaters. It had some um, there were some write ups in the news and whatnot, but really. Um, it just did not get the um, the box office attention that I believe it deserved because I think it did a lot to demystify what intersex mm. is, mm-hmm. and I think it was done in a in a great way. It um, it showed the stories of three intersex people, and basically the themes around the um, their stories were in the the silence that was that surrounded them their whole Mm -hmm. lives they they were told either by their parents um yeah basically by their parents um hey something's a little different it's really important that you don't talk about it Mm -hmm. and shame um shame is powerful shame does a lot to make you like it wasn't so much i think that the parents were trying to protect them from Mm -hmm. ridicule but the shame that developed around the silence and around their stories um and I think the also that the big focus on the documentary was the surgeries that were done mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. their consent, mm-hmm. because a lot of times when a child is born with ambiguous genitalia, um, doctors, it was fairly common for them to say, well, let's make a choice. Um, it all, it, it'd be fine. Let's socialize them, whatever um, way, you know, we end up deciding, um, let's fit them into one of the boxes, male or female. 
and socialize them that way and all will be well. Mm. And this faulty logic was based on a single, um, I guess you could call it st case study that was done with twins. Um, and one of the twins, the two male twins, one of them, um, there was an accident that happened in circumcision. And oh, they, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have prepared you that that was coming. <laughs> it's okay. That's just like, oh, I just think of a little baby and like. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's tragic. It truly. It was a tragic story because there was an accident done with with in the circumcision, and they said, it, "Well, you know, hey, this has happened. Um, and if you raise them as girl, um, all all will be well. The you'll figure it out." So wild. And. I mean, it ended badly. It ended very, yeah. very badly because. Wait, was this person of... intersex already? And no, they... these were <laughs> these were just regular twins, twin okay. boys. Okay. And the doctor made an act, and you know, made an error. Accident occurred, and they said, "Well, now we'll just say one's a girl and one's a boy, and raise them that way." And you know what? I think this faulty logic. It's just rooted in this idea that genitalia is everything mm -hmm. in determining um, in determining your your gender, um, without realizing that it's really an interplay of several different systems. Um, we have the endocrine system, we have our chromosomes, we have our primary sex characteristics, mm -hmm. um, which is what ge people generally look toward. But then we have our secondary sex characteristics, and then there's brain function. Mm -hmm. So we have these systems that are all working on a continuum in all of us. None of our hormones are exactly the same and none of our, um, you know, our, our brain function will be identical. It's all just on a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. And if enough of those things are pointing male, you, you know, you'll, you'll be male and you'll identify as male. You'll be cisgender. If enough of them are pointing female, you will, you know, you will fall into that. But the truth is, is there were, none of us are, are the ideal um, female, the ideal male. Mm -hmm. We're all on this sliding continuum. Yeah. So this um, unfortunate incident that, um, that happened with the circumcision really set the, um, set the kind of precedent that it's all in the socialization. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of opened the door for intersex surgeries. Like, let's let's um, solve this right now and put this child on this track to to grow up um, in in the role of of female or male, and everything will be fine. But it wasn't um, the um, the twin who actually had the um, the circumcision done that was botched. Um, eventually. Um, did take back his male identity, but sadly committed suicide mm. um, and is no longer with us. Mm. I mean, that is one of the huge, um, what's it called? Risks, right? Of right. having surgery that you did not consent to. Uh, I actually have pulled up here from the Cleveland Clinic, um, other risks associated with intersex surgery. So people can understand like that this is not just like a casual situation it's not just like oh you have a penis 
and a vagina so let's chop off the pe- it's not you know it's a more complicated than that it's not the same for everybody um but i mean part of the risks are decreased sexual function which lots of men have an issue with already with being circumcised so you can so you know decreased sexual function right infertility is a huge one um there's lots of scarring that can happen which one is aesthetically not good but also when you have internal scarring that can be detrimental to your internal organs um absolutely urinary incontinence i mean i can't imagine not being able to pee whenever i wanted and you can be like you can have a lot of urinary tract infections throughout your life and these are just some of them not even counting the mental load that it is right um exactly i actually listened to a podcast recently um jvn's podcast uh jonathan venice um and he had an intersex woman on there and she said that growing up her parents never told her that she was born intersex oh. and she only found out because she had to get something done at the doctor and it was in her medical records that oh. this had been done and she was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah which is problematic absolutely in and of itself um this episode actually comes out around Intersex Awareness Day, which is October 26th. According to Amnesty International, I don't really know who like as- ascribes days to different things, but I like Amnesty the International. the process is so, for yeah. that to happen, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> well, that has traditionally been um, Intersex Awareness Day for um, as many years as I've been yeah. studying intersex. So it's it's been standing for a while. I don't know who made the determination. Right. But- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, some of their let's talk about some myths surrounding intersex and even religion, because I mean that we are, you know, spiritual people and we have a lot of experience with church spaces. Um, I mean, one of the biggest myths that the church perpetuates is that everyone is born male and or or male or female. Like those are the yeah. two things, right? Right. That is absolutely, I grew up never questioning that. And, right. you know, the students that I was talking with, um, you know, at the beginning when we, when we started this conversation, my students that I had this conversation with um, just uh, a week or so ago, um, all basically um, were surprised. But then I had several that said, but no, there's only, there's only two genders. That's all mm. there is. And trying to basically say it as a statement, like mm. I was giving them bad information. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, it kind of goes back to Christianity, not being a fan of science and <laughs> people that know better. But I mean, something else is that people say that it's very rare and something we don't have to worry about because there's not very many of them which is not really the case. Um, according to experts, um, I'm reading this off of Amnesty International. So anybody have questions about es- experts, ask them. But it is widely yeah. known that 1.7% of the population is born with intersex traits. Yes. Which sounds small, but that's a lot of people. <laughs> it's a lot of people. I mean, it. we have all of us, when I use the collective we, um, intersex people are our neighbors and mm-hmm. our classmates and our coworkers. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. has come in contact with an intersex person, whether yeah. they realize it or not. The yeah. common um, kind of rule of thumb is that it's the same prevalence as red hair. Oh, so shit. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you see someone with red hair and 
you know, every, and now that I know that every time I see a redhead person, like, you know, it's a reminder that mm-hmm. as, as often as we see someone with red hair, that's as often as we're seeing someone who's intersex, statistically yeah. speaking. And we all know that redheads exist. So intersex people exist, you know, for right. numbers happening. Um, I find it fascinating um, being a church person and... <laughs> Like this notion that God made you exactly as you want or as he wanted you to be. God, you know, you are perfect. And that's what people use against transgender people, right? And wanting to affirm their gender. Right. But then we get to intersex people and all of a sudden nobody knows what to do in the church. Nobody knows how to react. So what was your experience with a specific situation with you and your friend? So our situation was... um it started off that everything was going very, very well because um, my friend who um, it was born intersex had double puberty and oh, yeah, yeah. I that part. Damn. <laughs> yeah, double puberty and didn't say anything to anybody because instinctively when you grow up in evangelical spaces, you kind of have a, a just an innate knowledge. This isn't the kind of thing that you are going to be able to talk about. Oh, um sad. And it's, it's taboo. So mm-hmm. my friend, Danny, um, kind of knew that talking about this was risking family. It was risking church family. It safety. was risking safety. And, you know, without anyone's explicitly stating this, just mm-hmm. he knew it. Um, Which is curious, one- by the way, that we all instinctively know what we can and cannot talk about in an evangelical church. Hmm. Right. Even if we haven't been told this is a thing we don't talk yep. about, we know, we know. Yep. So Danny knew this. And so um, at the time when, um, when this all came to a head and he uh, knew he needed to come out, he was um, about 40 and had not told really anybody. Mm-hmm. But one of the things to know about intersex is that um, because of the surge of hormones and, and the amount of you know, male and female hormones competing, um, oftentimes what happens, and, and really it's different for everybody. One intersex story is just one intersex story, but mm-hmm. oftentimes um, there'll be a issue with the hormones competing that leads to a lot of physical problems. Mm -hmm. And this is what was happening with Danny. Um, Danny realized that um, his, his health was in jeopardy and that um, basically anything female was starting to shut down. Right. And that this was going to be the moment that for his health, he was going to have to say, Hey, um, and I always refer to Danny as he, and in the masculine, even back then we were not using male pronouns for Danny. Uh, but, uh, Danny basically approached, um, approached me and said, um, you know, I know, um, and and was working with uh, a life coach at the time who kind of said, uh, I think maybe you should should talk with Cynthia, talk with her husband, because they are kind of, uh, have a reputation of being allies. Um, certainly wasn't perfect as an ally, but, um, we had a lot of friends that were in the community. and, And so, um, Danny said, Hey, I'm really trying to build a support system right now. I may lose everything. I may lose my family. I may lose, I may be kicked out of church. They're going to the same church. And I, I'm trying to just get a support system around me because I have to, for my health, 
make this change. And this mm-hmm. is who I am. This is how it is. So at first in our church, people were, they treated it like a medical situation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it was presented. We have a member of our community who has a medical situation and this is what it is. And some people in our church actually had heard of intersex and were able to actually be advocates and say, oh yeah, I've heard of that. I have some medical training and I've heard of that. So it seemed at the beginning to be going very, very well. Mm-hmm. But as Danny truly began to um, ditch everything female and truly walk into life um, as what he considered he always has been, mm-hmm. uh, start dating. And you know that is when the tide turned. Because mm-hmm. now they the- see something that is similar to transgender because they don't fully understand the the liminal space that Danny existed in. Exactly. Exactly. Um and that's that's when the support just kind of you know um some of the more um generous donors of the church said they were leaving and you know when the the purse strings are being controlled by mm-hmm. you know that that's where things start to uh to take an ugly turn. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we don't go to church there anymore. And, <laughs> good. Uh... <laughs> good, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this, this is a, a great example of the medical intervention that one, we all need to have access to, not just people that are intersex, right? Gender affirming care is not only like, oh, I want to change genders. It's Danny, my, my organs are shutting down and I need to have them removed or whatever I need. Right. Or I need hormones to help with the process. So I'm not sick all the time or blah, 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 exactly. blah, blah, blah. Right. But most I mean, of the intersex yeah. people that I know that are, you know, around middle age mm-hmm. start to have a lot of very, you know, serious medical issues mm-hmm. that it's just rooted in their complex um, body structure. Um, yeah. I have a friend who has you can take a sample tissue samples from different parts of her body mm-hmm. and it will either some will say male some will say female yes what a superpower <laughs> <laughs> i mean in my head i'm like wow you can get away with murder but that's just me and my true crime obsession <laughs> oh, i know that's awful um that's funny but i've also heard of people that who are intersex whose parents didn't do the surgery when they were kids and right. like, I don't want to change anything and they don't I mean maybe unless they have to later on but they're comfortable with who they are and how the good lord made them <laughs> everybody um but having access to that care is still vital right and I mean how many legislators are trying to take it all away so many yeah and that's so I mean this care is useful for those of us who are not intersex who are not transgender I mean, how many women need hormonal therapy because their body is just not producing enough or is producing too much of one thing? And that's right. all kind of the same situation, the same umbrella care. And we see how things start to snowball, right? Mm-hmm. Like even with Roe versus Wade being overturned, it is impacting people that have that have no interest in getting an abortion. You know, right. it's it's, it's um it's impacting people who um, are dealing with other physical issues that um, 
that they're using some of these same medicines that mm -hmm. can be involved in medical abortion, but they're being used in an off-label purpose for some other problems. So we're seeing a trickle down where it's never just the targeted group mm -hmm. that is that is impacted when they start making legislation. Um, yep. it's, it's just, it, there's trickle down consequences. Yeah, it's like, so I have fibromyalgia and I take an antidepressant to help alleviate the pain. And if for whatever right. reason they decided that antidepressants were now illegal, then I wouldn't have my medical care to help alleviate my body's pain. Exactly. Like, it's like that. Yeah. Which is a hundred percent. Perfect abhorrent. example. Um, yeah. I mean, also just to reiterate or just to make things clear, being intersex is not the same thing as being transgender. Um, just want to make that clear. They are very different, even though they do use um, the same medical, you know, care and jargon. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, and this, this is something that I think is, is important to this conversation that a lot of people don't realize because they're, this is like, I call this the intersex exception. People want to say, well, if you're intersex, that's a gray area. That's an exception. Mm -hmm. Intersex people didn't do anything wrong, but Here's the problem with that. Because of the five um, different systems that I talked about that all play into how people you know, identify with, with their gender, there are some ways to be intersex, intersex that don't manifest in a way that anybody mm -hmm. can see. For instance, your chromosomes. I have never had a chromosomal test done. Um, it's just not standard. Mm -hmm. So you could have, um, and this happens a lot with um, androgen insensitivity syndrome, which is a type of intersex where, um, and I, I know somebody who has it where they were, um, looked visually female, you know, their sex at birth, um, never questioned their being female, um, but then um, did not have a normal female puberty, didn't get a period. So um, doctor checks it out, um, does some tests and turns out she has male chromosomes. Cool. So, I still think it's so cool. It, it. And so here she, she's, um, people are rushing to assure her, you're still a woman, you're still a woman, don't worry. Right. You know, even though your chromosomes are male, you're still a woman, but it's, um, people want to pick and choose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and the problem is that a lot of intersex conditions are never identified as such so mm -hmm. somebody that just appears outwardly to just all of a sudden want to make a transition and and a lot of conservatives will say yep they just wake up and decide they want to change and <laughs> just don't like who they are and that's never the way that it is mm -hmm. we don't know that someone who just seems to be wanting to make a, a transition for no apparent reason mm -hmm. we don't know what their brain function is we don't know what their hormonal um situation is we don't know what their chromosomes are mm -hmm. we don't know if they truly may even be intersex um and so you're not really entitled to that information right you're no. not entitled to know if somebody's intersex and therefore it's okay for them to change genders uh, before your eyes right right and one of my my friends one of my intersex friends said to me we do not have the luxury of assuming anything about someone we perceive as trans mm -hmm. um just because we perceive that they just seem to be a trans person that just made a decision 
no one has the luxury to make that um, that judgment. We don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when it gets dangerous to just say, oh, there's an, there's an exception for intersex people. We'll accept intersex people, but not trans people. How do you know? Mm-hmm. Would be my question. And why do you care? And why do you care? <laughs> I mean, there's that. <laughs> A lot of evangelicals care. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I get so stuck on this whole gender issue because I, I would consider myself to be a more masculine woman. Uh, I mean, I dress feminine sometimes and I wear boys clothes. Like, I do all this stuff, right, that people would consider atrocious in the evangelical church. Um, <laughs> my partner is you know more classically feminine emotionally i should say he's you know whatever just like the roles whatever right my husband said to me a couple weeks ago there are some things about you that are a little more yeah. <laughs> like, a, like the way a man would do it than yep. a female like i said and it goes back to that sliding scale you mm-hmm. know? exactly <laughs> yeah and i just find it hard to like associate certain things with certain genders i mean one because i understand that gender is a construct but like my dad will say boys shouldn't wear skirts and i was like <laughs> tell that to jesus and everybody else at that time okay like <laughs> exactly <laughs> like all of this is just made up like why can't we fully un- like in rome people like men wore mini skirts yeah like <laughs> this is just a cultural concept and why people don't understand this like yeah like, what do you care if somebody decides that they don't want their dick anymore and they want a vagina? Like, why do you care? Just, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, that's me as a pansexual person who is attracted to everybody in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't find it disgusting at all. But, you know, people are weird. Um, people are weird and people yeah. are judgy. <laughs> yes, people are judgy. Yeah, I, I mean, especially in the church. I mean, how many of us, like, ugh. It, when I first started going to the church that I attend now, it was such a breath of fresh air because we have transgender folks in our church and it was just not <laughs> nothing. It, nobody really, we didn't talk about it, not because it was a secret, but because it was just accepted. Like it was, yes, this person is trans. The end. Like the, the, I'm not going to, nobody treated them differently. Right. You don't need the backstory. You <laughs> right. don't need all the, the statistics to, yeah. you know, is this legitimate is this mm-hmm. a real transition what what did you do Yeah, you know, we don't mm-hmm. need all that just to treat someone with respect dignity and love right right and i mean the the ramifications of people intersex people existing in this world are not minor right i mean we look at people who are transgender and the mental health issues that they face they're pretty similar to people who are intersex um in the sense of depression they're more likely to commit suicide yeah it's um and all of this is societally based right like because they're ostracized from society in some way absolutely absolutely yeah the i think if for no other reason um and there are many other reasons but if for no other reason this is why i don't know why the church doesn't care because mm-hmm. the supposedly pro-life evangelical church does not seem to care that queer people are dying Mm -hmm. at higher rates than other populations. Mm -hmm. And and it's sometimes a direct result of things the church is doing. Mm -hmm. 
and the way that they are excluding people and making them feel that shame um, yeah. and live, live in shame. And I think that if for no other reason that, you know, that you can't find any other reason to care, if you're pro-life, you should step up. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, we want, we want everyone to have every baby that's conceived but God forbid that that baby comes out as intersex or trans or mm -hmm. um, in some way, you know, divergent <laughs> because mm -hmm. the church is going to be there to support you. Yep. And I mean, this is like an issue with literally any deviation from the quote unquote norm. Like the church is just not equipped to handle any deviation. Absolutely. I mean, I have a cousin who has three autistic sons and she's always been kind of interested in going to explore faith i mean she grew up catholic but she's like just more curious because she fears death because of her children um which is what she's admitted to me mm -hmm. which is fine like that's a very valid reason for exploring right. faith but she yes. doesn't feel like she can because what if she doesn't have somebody to watch her kids she just you can't just put her 12 year old in you know children's church because they're not going to know how to handle his level of autism right like he's less independent right and so she's kind of like shamed into not going to church when there's no access to right. that support system. Mm -hmm. What could be in a, in the right, um, you know, if, if everything were working the way it should be, that should be a source of um, community and strength mm -hmm. and, and help for yeah. her and her family. But instead she doesn't even have access to it. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that hard, right? But this is like the thing with the church is that there's no real support for real issues that are plaguing real human beings. It's just which makes it irrelevant. And exactly. that's why the church is losing its relevance, because exactly. you want to meet the people where the people yeah. are. Yeah. Yep. Like, I can't imagine any human being being able to go to a church and say, hi, pastor, I'm really thinking of killing myself. Can you help me out? Like, that would not go well in most churches. No. And if you are trans, if you are gay or any other reason, it's going to go much worse. Because absolutely, I mean, you're not going to get the encouragement. You're not going to get the help. You're not going to get the resources. They're probably going to feel welcome. You should pray about it. That's it. Like, yeah. or they'll pray over you and that's it. But they don't actually offer good resources. Right. And it's right. But let's I want to get into this the concept that early medical intervention for intersex children is against their human rights, which I truly it believe. Is a, it's right. A human rights violation. And I think that was, if there was one single takeaway from the everybody documentary was that the, mm -hmm. to end the surgeries, um, mm -hmm. that it should be a personal choice. And the other thing, again, because one intersex story is just one intersex story. Um, mm -hmm. Then he had, there was no choice that was made for him um, because his parents didn't know. And oftentimes that is the case. And like the, my friend with the androgen insensitivity yeah. syndrome, there was no choice to be made because nobody knew, nobody could mm -hmm. see anything that would um, lead them to, uh, to say this is an intersex mm -hmm. person. So Intersex is an umbrella term. There's so yeah. many different ways to be intersex, which is another thing that people often don't realize that it's it's not just one thing. It's not going yeah. to manifest in the same way with, yeah. with any two people. 
I believe there's like 40 uh, different recorded variations so far of intersex, right. which right. doesn't sound like a lot, but that sounds like a lot. Like that sounds like a, like the very, I don't know. That's a lot of variations which require different medical interventions later on in life, not early on in life, right? Um, exactly. And also like when it comes, cause I'm a very body positive person. I'm just like, love everything about yourself. I feel like this also comes like with body positivity, right? Like if you happen to be born um, with a vagina and testes, if you, if you're into it, be into it, you know, like, right. But as a parent, right. you shouldn't remove something that is not yours to remove. It is not your body. Which right. I mean, and, and we don't think about how it's going to change how that body functions and mm-hmm. how, the, how that person is going to feel physically, spiritually, yeah. emotionally on any level. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not decisions that you can make in advance. Um, right. it, it's you just... have no idea the r- ramifications, which is cruel. If you don't know the ramifications of the surgery that you're having, like informed consent is such a huge part of medical intervention. And if you cannot be informed, you should not intervene. Exactly. I'm just, uh, yeah. 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 And that was, I think that was, um, what the, there were so many aspects of that documentary that made it worth seeing to understand how people grew up, how it could have even happened in the first place. They get into some of the science, they tell the story of, of how, um, that I was uh, talking about the beginning of, of how we even got here with the, the one study with the twins. Um, but I think that was the, the major, um, message was bodily autonomy and, mm-hmm. um, letting people make the choices for themselves when they get to the age where they can. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. As somebody who wants to get a boob job, I agree. <laughs> my partner does not want me to get a boob job. And I'm like, mm, my body, my choice, baby. Like, I know it's your <laughs> money. It's our money, but my body, my choice. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a funny joke, everybody. Okay, don't come at me. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, let's talk about how people who are intersex face incredible discrimination, not just in the church, but everywhere. I mean, right? If you're born in the wrong country, not the wrong country, but in a less accepting country, if you're born in this country and you live in the South or you live in like these right the wrong state, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Like, this is a huge issue. I mean, um, so three in five LGBTQ intersex individuals avoid doctors specifically to avoid experiencing discrimination. Yes. And that is for anything, not like. Yes. And that's unacceptable to me. As somebody and that's another reason, aside, uh, and along with suicide, mm-hmm. that's another reason why a lot of queer people do not have the life expectancy of mm-hmm. non-queer people because yep. of that. Yeah. I mean, nine in 10 people who are intersex, I'm reading off of AmericanProgress.org, everybody, by the way. I'm not just talking on my ass. I did some research. <laughs> nine in 10 LGBTQ intersex individuals report some level of poor health with uh, a, a lot of them being a lot, like nearly every day they have issues with their health. So not only do they need to see a doctor, but they cannot see a doctor because it could go very badly for them. Correct. Not only would, like if you're not telling anybody and you live in a small town <coughs> and you go to the doctor, the doctor tells, like you have no idea 
what could happen because people are so hateful towards people who vary from the norm exactly i mean i don't know if danny has had any issue with that where you guys live but um actually things have gone so much better for danny since he's been out a lot of what you're saying was what his life was like even as an adult um before he came out because he didn't know how a doctor would respond to him Mm -hmm. um and he didn't want to be outed as you were saying so especially when he was still living at home he would just basically his medical plan was prayer you know, just pray that I don't have to go to the doctor. Um, don't sign up for any non-recreational sports where yep. I might have to have a physical. I need to make sure that I do not need to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. um, which is a not great medical plan. Um, and also not a great mental health plan either. What if you no. want to play soccer? Exactly. Exactly. Um, we are in Virginia and the laws so far have not been restrictive um but i do know um that you have to keep watching Mm -hmm. you have to keep watching the laws because um there are definitely people who are living in places where they don't feel safe and feel that they need to make a change because they're not safe where they are yeah and i would add that churches need to stop discriminating i mean this is just obvious they do stop discriminating against all people who are different than them but what are some things that you think churches can do to help intersex folks and transgender folks? Let's just go for it. I think that's a great question. Um, I think that um, there are churches that are mm-hmm. welcoming to anyone from the queer community. And I, when that happens, I think that is a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, it's not the norm. Mm-hmm. I think it would be, you mentioned science at the beginning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Friends with science can be a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. When we open our minds to, and and, you know, I think I I say that because very literally, I think science can be something that um, really does inform and guide. I'm always an advocate for stories though. Sometimes Mm -hmm. stories will do the heavy lifting that just facts and figures won't. we have a hard time, like we, earlier, we had a hard time even absorbing what does it mean for 1.7% of the population? Um, is that a small number? Is it a big number? What does it mean? We have a hard time with, with those numbers. They're impersonal. But when we open our hearts to stories, I think that that is when we start to truly change because it's not just the statistic. This is, oh, this person is mm-hmm. right here and is telling me about their lives and how things have uh, been for them mm-hmm. in their skin. So I would say that churches would do very well. Everybody would do well. But ch- if churches are really interested in knowing how to, to serve people um, that are intersex, they should be open to stories. They should mm-hmm. be open to people should feel safe that they can go into a church, talk to people, tell their stories and be heard and seen Mm -hmm. rather than judged. And I think like, as we're talking, we, we're talking about, um, different concepts. I'm speaking out of of memory, really Mm -hmm. from things I've studied and researched and you're there on the computer and, and you're pulling things up. And, um, 
you know, that's, that's the beauty of when you don't shut down a conversation mm -hmm. and you don't say, oh, we don't talk about that here. Or mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> that's not, that's not a safe topic for here, or you need to pray. Um, you know, when we don't shut things down with pat answers and we allow for conversation and then conversation leads to curiosity and then people start to check things out and then go, oh, 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 this statistic relates to this person over here. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that stories can be an amazing teacher. And yeah. I would I would wish that churches would be more welcoming to people in their stories. I agree. And as always, my advice would be to leave those churches if they don't like stories and science. Skedaddle. There's plenty of gay churches out there, all right? <laughs> Let me tell you, as a as somebody who runs a gay church, we're pretty great. We're pretty fun. We're going camping this weekend. We're going to drink some beer, you know. No Bible study awesome. on our camping trip. It's going to be chill. <laughs> Not a regular church camping trip. It's a cool church camping trip. <laughs> I want to go to your gay church. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It's also a very pretty building, so it really helps with the aesthetic because I hate ugly churches. <laughs> That's my own personal cross to bear is hating ugly churches. There's no carpet in my church. Mm -mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> well, this has been a very informative conversation, I think, for people. I really wanted to kind of highlight with this like documentary coming out and your book and just being gay, um, to another section of the LGBTQIA plus community. And thank you so much for coming. Tell people all about your book and where they can get it. And yeah, yeah, my book is called Intersection with an X. Um, intersection. <laughs> Let's, uh, a lot of people misspell it and then you can't find it if you don't spell it right. So right. Intersection with an X, it is, um, it's available on Amazon. It's really available on any of the online uh, retailers. Uh, any bookstore can order it. If it's mm -hmm. not already there, if it's not there, people should ask why it's not there, really. Yeah, <laughs> ask your bookstore to stock it. You can um, do that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's where it's available wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. And um, where can people find you online? Um, so I have a website, CynthiaVacaDavis.com. Mm -hmm. um i'm on instagram again with my name although i have um the um, underscores underscores yeah mm -hmm. um and on instagram i'm most active on instagram um and my email cynthiavacadavis at gmail.com i'm open through all those channels sick and for those of you who wanting to watch the documentary um every space body um you can find it on peacock Amazon Prime or Apple TV, allegedly. If it's not there, I just Googled it, okay? Don't don't come at me. <laughs> but check those three places. I'm sure you can rent it somewhere as well. Um, well, this has been a great conversation. I hope you guys learned something. Um, as always, you can find Speaking at Church at Speaking in Church on Instagram. You can find me and my dogs and my crocheting at Josie Takes the World. <laughs> uh, we have a tip jar and we have merch, all of that you can find on Instagram. But other than that, um, stay woke, get woke, friends, please. Please. Bye. Bye. <laughs>